Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my colleague, Wes Hodkowitz, and we're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, the regular season finale is almost upon us here. Packers-Lions will take place Sunday at Ford Field in Detroit, a noon Central Time kickoff, the final game of the season for both teams. Neither the Packers nor the Lions has any playoff aspirations at this point. As we uh, break down the lines here on both sides of the ball, we know offensively it starts with Matthew Stafford, the quarterback. And I'll say this, with what Matthew Stafford did when he came in here in early November in a Monday night game at Lambeau Field, I know there's going to be different personnel on both sides of the ball, Lions offense, Packers defense, and we can talk about that a little bit. But I think this Packers defense is uh, is going to be you know out to redeem themselves a little bit because that performance on Monday night against Stafford out here was uh, not what Green Bay was looking for. No, it really wasn't, Mike. And I mean, you go back and look at that contest, and it's it's kind of fresh in your memory how well the Packers bottled up Amir Abdullah on that running offense. I mean, they averaged one point nine yards per carry. But Matthew Stafford, 132.4 passer rating, threw for 361 yards, two touchdowns. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones Jr. both had big games. They didn't have to run the ball because they were able to pass the ball so well. So um, I'd like to sit here and say that this the secondary is different for Green Bay, but really they're in the same predicament they were those you know six seven weeks ago in that really banged up at cornerback and obviously they do have Morgan Burnett and, and haha Clinton Dix available but more is being asked of them too because of the domino effect at the cornerback position yeah and when you look at this Lions offense where the personnel will be very similar to that Monday night game here at Lambeau Field is Matthew Stafford's targets. You have Marvin Jones Jr. He's over a thousand yards this year. Golden Tate is about a hundred yards shy of yeah. another thousand yard season for him. Tight end Eric Ebron putting together a season looks pretty similar statistically to what he did last year. Maybe a few more targets in the red zone for some scores. But a lot of changes in terms of what the Lions are doing in the backfield and also on the offensive line up front because of some injuries. Yeah, Teon Green now is the guy, uh, undrafted rookie running back out of Cincinnati that they turn to. Um, th- I mean, th- we all know the history there of the running game for the Lions. I think it's now somewhere around 60 consecutive games without a 100-yard rusher. Uh, by far the longest streak right now, the longest skid in the NFL without a, a player you know, crossing that threshold. Yeah. Um, but I do look at the receivers in this matchup, and, and certainly you want to make them one-dimensional, you want to throw. The Packers have to have an answer answer here for Marvin Jones. They didn't last year. He had another big game this season. Um, so whether it is Devon House, if they could get Demarius Randall back after having the, the knee injury that he was dealing with uh, over the weekend that he was unable to play with, one way or another you have to contain him. Uh, as strange as it sounds, you want to be able to to take away those perimeter threats. If anything, you want to see them run the ball a little bit more uh, because I think that plays into the Packers' strength and uh, what they can do defensively. It's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, Stafford is at a, a position in his career where he's kind of entering that, that Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning-type echelon where he can control things at the line of scrimmage he can you know adjust off of what he's seeing defensively so those are all things the Packers are gonna have to take into account because as banged up as the Lions are in their offensive line the perimeter threats are certainly still available for Stafford I think that's the biggest thing I've seen with Stafford over these last couple of years in terms of you know we get to see him twice a year and, and seeing his game evolve is he seems to be doing more and more at the line of scrimmage this offense with Jim Bob Cooter as the offensive coordinator really giving him the freedom 
to to dictate things and, and run what he wants and and uh, and really run the show there. And the other thing he's doing, if if you've watched some of their games, he's picked up that. Aaron Rodgers thing of catching the defense yeah, with 12 on the really field awesome. when they're trying to substitute and he'll get the snap off and get a free play. He did it on uh, on Thanksgiving Day against the Minnesota Vikings and right. threw a touchdown pass, about a 40-yard pass for a TD on a free play when the Vikings didn't get their 12th guy off the field. So his game his game has evolved. He has definitely worked his way into the that upper echelon of quarterbacks. Like you say, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Drew Brees, but he's awfully close. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, I mean, obviously they're coming off of what I think they would even admit was a tough loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a game I think they were expecting to win to stay in that playoff hunt. Yeah, they were expecting but, to be playing the Packers this week right. with still a shot at a playoff spot, and that went out the window with a loss to the Bengals. It went out the window, Mike, but I mean, offensively, eighth in, in scoring the this year, 25 points per game, 13th in total yards. They're, they're passing game six. It's that 30-second rushing offense that's kind of dragged them down a little bit. But overall, the offense has been effective. The 27th-ranked defense that we'll talk about in a second I think has kind of been a little bit of a letdown for them. But offensively, I think you got to give Stafford a lot of credit. Again, especially considering those moving parts on the offensive line. Travis Swanson still in the concussion protocol at the time that we're taping this. Uh, Rick Wagner, their big signing at right tackle, has been dealing with an ankle injury. I think missed three or four games now. In T.J. Lang, uh, you know, obviously one of the toughest guys I think you and I have ever probably covered. Yeah. But he's dealt with a litany of injuries as well this year. I believe it's the foot right now. He had some issues with his fibula, the shoulder. Um, so, and then Don Barclay replaced him, and then he sustained a concussion. So, uh, and it'll be very interesting to see what this offensive line looks like on Sunday, and if the Packers potentially could take advantage of of some of those, uh, you know, replacements. Yeah. Really quickly before we go to a break, there are some clips out of coming out of Detroit in the media wondering whether. Jake Rudock, their backup quarterback, should play instead of Stafford just because the playoff stuff is out the window. Do you think they're going to go that direction? I don't think so. And listen to Jim Caldwell talk in the conference call. He said, we already play uh, plenty of rookies the way it is, so it's not like we're going to approach this game any differently. And I think it's the same thing with Stafford. Stafford has been kind of banged up this year. I think there was a hand injury, some other things he's been playing through, but I would think that they're going to give him the opportunity to still be out there with this offense. Well, you never know. You see how the game situation plays out. But as far as this game starting on Sunday, I I really do think that he's going to be the guy the Packers are going to have to go up against. Okay, and with that, we'll toss it to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. And Wes, shifting gears to the Detroit Lions defense. There's one guy that definitely jumps off the page, and he's got one of the best nicknames in all of football. They call him Darius Big Play Slay, the star cornerback. And he's living up to that nickname this year. Seven interceptions, leading the league all by his lonesome, the only player in the NFL with seven picks this year you got to watch out for this cat. You really do, Mike. Uh, seven interceptions in 15 games this season, comparatively six interceptions during his first four seasons combined. I'll say this. Uh, when they gave him that extension, I was actually somewhat you know, skeptical of that. I was trying to determine whether or not he was really or could be viewed as one of those top upper echelon cornerbacks. I think him and Xavier Rhodes, uh, the Packers see two of the best that there are, not only in the NFC but in the NFL now in this division. And really how he's modified his game this year and how he's come on. Yeah, you had that game against the Bears. He got two picks off of Trubisky. 
You can say what you want about that. You need to get the interceptions when they're there. Yep. He certainly made those plays. And I think that's probably one of the more, I don't want to say confusing, but one of the more confounding things about this defense. I mean, I believe they're 28th in passing, 27th in total yards. The passer rating has been affected. It's 15th in the league, thanks to those seven interceptions contributing to their team total of 17. But I have been surprised when you have it, and we just got done talking about it before the segment, when you have Slay, when you have Glover Quinn, that that hasn't resulted in, in a little bit, you know, I guess less production than what it has so far for the for the Lions. Yeah, you're surprised. I Certainly I'm surprised when you look at individually – Seven interceptions from Slay. Ziggy Yance has got nine sacks. They've, you know, they've had some some uh, pass rush there up front. I think Glover Quinn is a is a quality safety in the NFL. But overall, the uh, the team statistics haven't uh, really added up to maybe no. what some of those individual efforts you you'd think they would. So to be as you say, and you know, essentially in the bottom kind of the bottom ten percent, bottom twenty percent of the league in passing yards allowed, total yards allowed. It's really been uh, the biggest downfall of this team. I know a lot obviously was put on Matthew Stafford to continue the ascent in his career, and he's done that, although offensively they have had some games where they've fallen short, and uh, and really that's the reason that they're not playing for a playoff spot now where they expected to be in the hunt here heading into this final game against the Packers. But uh, defensively, I think if the if the Lions are going to undergo you know any kind of an overhaul in the offseason personnel-wise, I think they're going to focus on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what their thought process is because you have to weigh who they lost. You know, Haloti Nada's out for the season. Kerry Hyder was lost right off the bat. Right. Uh, Tavon Wilson, who, I, who had a role in that defense in the secondary, He's gone, so they've had to make some adjustments there. So naturally, there's going to be somewhat of a drop off. But um, it is it is confounding because I thought when we saw them earlier this season, I even going back to last year, I thought they were really on the the cusp of something special, which is a lot a testament to them. You know, after losing Nadamikin Sue, after having to transition to to a different type of defense built around other players that they were able to do that. Um, you know, Certainly Ziggy Ansa is still a part of this equation, nine sacks on the season, leading them at their team total of 31. But they've had to find production from different spots this year than I think what we've grown accustomed to in years past. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see, you know, uh, <clears throat> with the Packers, does Devontae Adams come back, you know, from his yeah. injury to uh, – um, to play in this final game because if he does then you know that matchup is going to be slay against Adams right. you know on the outside if Adams doesn't play then uh you know then what is the matchup that the Lions want to uh, to use with Slay because at the end of the day um you know Slay is going to be looking for any throws from Brett Hundley that come his way he's going to try to attack he's going to he's going to try to finish his season on on as high a note as possible and he's a guy I think that Brett Hundley's got to be careful of yeah and I don't want to turn this into every single week okay the Packers need to run the ball but I think there is an opportunity there uh the Cincinnati Bengals had a lot of issues this year with their backfield they drafted Joe Mixon things didn't really come together I think as they hoped but Giovanni Bernard ends up getting the call last week in that matchup runs for 116 yards at five yards per carry so I think this is an opportunity for Jamal Williams to get going. Certainly we're going to have to see where Aaron Jones is at with that knee injury. But the Packers have shown at times, especially in these dome-type environments, that they can run the football when they have to. So to your original point, yeah, Brett Hundley has to be cognizant of where the football is. He's played well on the road this season for everything that's been made out of what's happened at Lambeau Field. He has been solid, particularly in those those dome-type environments. So uh, a lot of things to play into there as far as the passing game is concerned. 
But I really do believe when you look at how they've been banged up on the offense or the defensive line this year for the Lions, there's an opportunity there for Jamal Williams to really finish this season on a high note. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, with that, we'll throw it to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz, all the way over there. Um, Wes, a story that uh, that you're posting this week on Packers.com, a, a special story, I think, at least in my opinion, on veteran cornerback Devon House. And you kind of went back into a little bit of the, the history as to why he wanted to come back to Green Bay in the offseason. He jumped at the opportunity to do so after two years in Jacksonville. One of the reasons being cornerbacks coach Joe Witt Jr. and the bond that he had with his position coach for four years in Green Bay. And that bond had a lot to do with some off-the-field things, not just the on-the-field coaching part of it. Tell us about it. Yeah, I think that this is a good illustration of what this game does, not only on the field between the you know the sidelines in terms of Devon House, the football player, but Devon House, the person. Now, one of the things that, that Joe Witt said, and I, this is a story I've been working on really since the beginning of the season, you know, and a lot of different things happened with House with his injuries that it, it kind of delayed a lot of these processes. But talking to him after the game a little bit, it brought a lot of this back. And it starts really with just his battle with dyslexia. Uh, it's something that he dealt with going all the way back to high school, um, and, and really it, it was one of the things that was really challenging for him when he went to the college level because he never really got a firm grasp of what he needed to do to overcome it. Uh, he, he said even in his senior year of high school, he was really reading at a fourth to fifth grade reading level. He would read the words, they just didn't quite make sense. And Wit, it was fascinating talking to him about this because he battles it too, and he, his parents are pretty proactive with it. He, he was held back in kindergarten and really had a lot of resources, a lot of people that helped him out so that he, you know, even though there were some difficulties along the way, he always felt empowered by it. So I think that was the biggest thing for House when he got to Green Bay. He credits his wife a lot for helping him get through college, books on tape, all that fun stuff really helped him in his learning process. But it was when he met Joe Witt in that year that they spent together that first season uh, that he really started to gain a, a deeper appreciation for it in kind of understanding that this isn't something that necessarily has to define you as a person and that you can overcome it yeah. and learn in different ways. Yeah, I was really fascinated by some of the stuff you brought out in that story going back to when House was a fourth-round draft pick out of New Mexico State in 2011, making his way into the NFL. He gets to know his position coach. And, I mean, right from the get-go when Devon House got here, I was impressed with how articulate he was. Yeah. You know, and same with Joe Witt and getting to know him over the years when he does press conferences, interviews with reporters, uh, very articulate, very well-spoken. You would never know that never. either of these men had dealt with something like this, uh, you know, a, a, a disability, if for lack of a better word at this point, but something like dyslexia that, that can be so difficult to handle and can be so difficult to overcome. I had absolutely no idea. And I was fascinated to hear how they, you know, how House used a lot of tips and tools and, and other things from uh, Joe Witt, who had, who had gone through much of what he did in his younger days to help him out. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because there's numerous different aspects of the story like it's not like Devon House just came in and lit the world on fire either as a football player Witt said I mean he had a lot of natural God-given ability 
But as he even joked with me that he was lazy from the get-go. And, yeah. and he said, I mean, as much as, you know, they had that bond off the field, he pushes him even to this day. And, you know, he even said, I mean, if there was any player that was ever going to hate me, it was going to be Devon House because of how <laughs> hard he was on him those first two seasons because he could see the natural ability. Yeah. And House, you know, he didn't really have a chance to get that extended playing time in his time in Green Bay, but he became a better cornerback, obviously had the season that he did with Jacksonville in 2015 and came back this year really wanting to be that veteran presence that, you know, Tremont Williams and Jared Bush and, and Charles Woodson were to him to this younger group. So, while things on the field might not have gone every way that the Packers wanted or Devon House wanted, certainly wanted to chase that Super Bowl ring, he's really grateful, doesn't second-guess that decision, and was very happy to have that opportunity to be back in Green Bay. And also he mentioned that was one of the reasons why it was so important for him to play in that game against Minnesota, despite the back injury he had sustained, despite the lingering shoulder problem. That might have been, he's a free agent after the season, that might have been his last chance again at Lambeau Field, and he wanted to take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, we don't know exactly what's going to happen now with Devon House in the offseason. He did just sign a one-year contract. That could have been his last game at Lambeau Field. I give the guy a ton of credit because, boy, looking at him, as we talked about last week, looking at him coming off of the field in Cleveland when he got kicked in the back there yeah. by Josh Gordon, just an unfortunate uh, collision that uh, was really nobody's fault. But uh, but the way it happened, the fact that he uh, just missed one game and got back out on the field I give him a lot of credit yeah and he's been dealing too with that hamstring quad injury earlier in the season he said even last week and he was still wrapping that up so I mean there's a lot of things that he's played through because of how much it means to him despite the fact that obviously it doesn't matter right now for the Packers playoff implications he wanted to be out there yeah absolutely uh before we go to our break Wes attention Packers fans we're calling you to fill up with Campbell's chunky chicken noodle soup we're talking delicious hearty soup packaged in an exclusive Packers superfan can these cans are limited edition for all you football fanatics out there so don't miss out Go on, huddle up, and fill up with this hearty soup, Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, before we go, a roster move the Packers made earlier this week that we need to mention, and that is that Jason Spriggs, uh, coming off of what Mike McCarthy termed a rather serious knee injury, is officially on injured reserve. He will miss the regular season finale here against Detroit. And um, Mr. Jack of all trades, Justin McRae, uh, you know, he just raises his hand and goes in wherever he's asked to play. And uh, and for everything that he has done this year, he will now finish the 2017 season as the starting right tackle. Yeah, it's pretty incredible how this journey's played out for Justin McCray. If you look at his last 12 to 16 months, <laughs> working at a hotel, playing the Arena Football League, doing whatever he can to revitalize uh, his hopes for the NFL, and then he ends up you know, likely starting half the games for the Packers on the offensive line this season and playing well, too. I mean, this is the thing I think that stood out the most to me. And I was talking with him and also Lucas Patrick, who jumped in at right guard. I don't think people can really appreciate how difficult it is for Justin McCray to have the game he did against the Minnesota Vikings, yeah. against those pass rushers. He spent the entire week preparing to be their starting right guard, which, by the way, the, one of the only positions he hadn't played this year because Jari Evans was active in every game, played every snap. He was fully prepared for that position. One play, <laughs> Jason Spriggs gets out, gets carted off the field, and McCray has to go back to right tackle 
And the Packers have talked about it. Naturally, his best spot is in the interior offensive line. That's the way he's built. But how he's been able to stem the tide at those tackle positions this year, it's pretty incredible when you look at it because this is a guy who I don't think a lot of people gave a big chance in the offseason program to make the roster, and now he's become arguably probably the biggest breakout performer for the Packers this season. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think that's the right way to put it is breakout performer, and you wonder now just what the future holds for Justin McCray because Jari Evans will be a free agent, uh, the right guard. He signed just a one-year contract. Maybe the Packers bring him back. Maybe they don't. Justin McCray would certainly have an opportunity to compete for a starting job there at right guard if Evans is not retained. Um, but even if uh, if everything sort of stays status quo in, in whatever way that is heading into, into 2018, Justin McCray's value is, yeah. is just off the charts here in, in terms of a reserve guy that, they, that they've decided and determined that they can uh, they can plug him in just about anywhere and get through a game with with a reliable quality performance and, and he would hate that I'll end up saying this but I mean I think this is also one more reason Alonzo Highsmith's one of the best in the business when it comes to finding personnel I mean he was at that pro day at UCF they the McCray brothers the twins begged basically to be at that <laughs> pro day with all the other players coming out Alonzo Highsmith's there from the Packers sees him scouts him gives the report, the Packers sign him, and he ends up coming in here on a very deep, very talented, big group of offensive linemen this summer, and he ends up making the roster, and the rest was history. Yeah, you just never know what's going to happen in this league sometimes. But with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hod. I am at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.